Welcome to the very first episode of the Creamcast. This episode, we talk to Kean of Compelling and Rich Coffees. We talk about his background, what got him into coffee, what keeps him in coffee, and what he's excited about in the future. A lot about downtown LA and just LA in general. So, if you're into coffee and you want to listen to a really great roaster, this is the interview for you. Thanks again. The first shop that I went in that somebody grinded me a shot, tasted it, and said, let me make you another one. Like, that really just blew my fucking mind. Like, why? Like, that's not good enough for you? And I was cooking at the time, uh, just line stuff, and uh, I loved that. Like, I immediately said, okay, I want to learn more about coffee. So I started learning more. I still didn't know crap. I, I mean... I still don't really know crap, but uh, I start getting more nerdy into it. I went to Intelli when it opened. Loved Intelli, thought they were the best for a while, but I would always go back to choke until the day they got shut down by health department. <laughs> and he was just yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he didn't give a fuck. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then I just got caught up in school and caught up in cooking and other stuff. And then I moved to New York and I was still just like learning about coffee and developing my palate. And um, fast forward to business school, um, I said, hey, I'm going to do my thesis on how to predict the movement of the coffee commodity markets, different variables. Some had more weight than others. And I kind of built a formula around it saying that, hey, this is where I think the futures market is going to be in a week from now, a month from now, because historically they announced this, 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 and this. They announced Brazil's forecast for whatever. And um, I was accurately predicting stock movements for futures like three months in advance. And that was part of my thesis. So from there, uh, I sold my thesis to Green Mountain Coffee. You can't find it any, anymore because they, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I bought my roaster with, and that's what I lived off of for four months. And I just started learning more and pushing myself and saying, why does my coffee taste like shit? Why does it only taste okay? Why does it taste better than last time? Why is it tasting great right now? Bought as much coffee as I could. Started bringing in stuff from you know Norway and uh, New York. One of my favorite roasters in, is in New York. His name is Papa Lin. Mm. Small guy who was like an electrical engineer, roast out of his garage. Nice. Coffee's like fifty dollars for eight ounce bag, but he just he kills it, man. Like everything I have from him is just unbelievably delicious. Um, Especially if you're putting that that price tag on your on your commodity, you've got to hit the mark every single time. Well, he buys all of the 90 plus stuff. Oh, nice. So everything that he has is like the chem gin. Who else were you drinking when you were out in New York? Uh, counterculture. They were like the big quality guys uh, at the time that I was living out there. There was Blue Bottle, but Blue Bottle was Blue Bottle. Um, it, it wasn't interesting to me. And I would go get this, uh, I would go get the 2010 winter blend of the Espresso Aficionado at um, a little shop called Abrasso in the East Village. And it was just like grape chocolate every single day, so consistent and so good. And that just like drove me nuts. And <laughs> I came back here and I started going to like every shop that I could. I was going to Spring for Coffee, I was going to Intelli. Um, I think Intelli. Pasadena had opened by then. Maybe it was Intelli Venice. Um, 
And I would go there and I would think that the baristas were douches and of course it was like Kyle Glanville and like whoever <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just kind of kept up with it and now here I am broke and in love with coffee. But I, you know, I left a six-figure job to do this. Like, I was working in Century City, like, coincidentally, very near where Uli was working in finance. And I was running, like, the biggest kosher catering company in Beverly Hills. So you can imagine the kind of stuff we were doing. Yeah, I can imagine the events you were doing. $100,000 bar mitzvahs at the Beverly Hilton and getting cash thrown at me every day. <laughs> Driving a nice car. So going from that to this, how do you describe what you do to people now? I mean, there was just so many motivating factors to do this. I, part of my thesis was I figured out that with the way uh, all the variables are kind of narrowing in, you're only really going to be able to make uh, money off coffee in one way in the future. And it's not by selling commodity stuff that you make specialty like uh, Stumptown or Blue Bottle or Verb are doing. Uh, it's by selling the absolute best stuff that you can find or just roasting it really well, which is what I learned later on. So when I started off, I was sourcing like really rare, I was like sourcing Kofi Luwak. Um, and what else was I doing? Like St. Helena's and. <laughs> I had a geisha, but I really didn't know how to roast it, so I was kind of just like, eh, this is my lower-end coffee, it's not selling. And yeah, there were so many factors that just made me want to work for myself and do my own thing. And So you do a lot of single origin? Are you doing typically most most blends for your espresso and for your accounts, or are you... I like doing one blend, maybe two, and it's based on whatever's crop okay except for this one that I'm pulling right now which it works for what it is um, I'm doing a bourbon uh, a bourbon katura mix from Guatemala which is a little bit past crappie okay and a current crop Kenya but I only do that because the uh, porousness porosity whatever of the uh, central bourbons and the katuras uh, leads me to be able to do a light roasted Kenya with a darkly roasted guat in the same blend. So I'm able to get a nice espresso blend out of it. Do you take what the market's kind of given you and then craft from there? Or do you have, in your mind, you wake up in the middle of the night and go, shoot, I have this blend idea. It's going to be this, 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 and this. Let me go engineer it. I mean, I've had a couple of accounts tell me they want something chocolatey, which is <laughs> Vegas shit or whatever. <laughs> so I'll, I'll source them like a Brazil and an Ethiopia just to keep it interesting. Um, I just I just know my flavor profiles and what beans are going to take me there. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally, I want my espresso to represent like LA. Like our whole tag is bright, sweet, delicious coffee from sunny Los Angeles, California. Yeah. So when I'm doing a baseline espresso blend, I want something that's tasty and an ice latte, so it's going to have that chocolate back, but it's also going to be a really nice iced coffee cold brew. So that's why the Africans in there. Why call it rich and, com and, and compelling and rich? Yes. Uh, yeah. My. I'm not going to say my ex-girlfriend. The first person I gave my coffee to yeah. said, 
oh, this is so compelling and rich, and they said it like the Anchorman quote. Nice. Okay. So it came from that. That's awesome. It, it kind of reminded me of a, more of a, more of an old school, which is yeah. I mean, I didn't want cutesy. Like intelligentsia just gets on my nerves. Like it, it just makes me think. No wonder people hate coffee snobs. Yeah, named your company fucking intelligentsia. When you're writing your thesis, you weren't roast. Were you roasting in college, or were you? I had a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. Um, what What's been the biggest surprise from being an outsider and basically writing an algorithm that can predict the future? So, uh, and then coming into the industry and grinding every day. Like, what is what has been your biggest surprise? From um, how the established coffee people, or even baristas, how, like, unopened to change they are. Like, nobody wants anything new. Like, it's it's been such a challenge to get local L.A. coffee on people's minds. And, I mean, Los Angeles Magazine just did a piece on it last month saying, like, there's nobody to represent Los Angeles. Which is true, because there's all these great people coming up all at once. I think some people are, they really want to be the guy who's the name for Los Angeles. I think that that's the wrong way to go about it because a rising tide is going to raise every ship. Uh, I'd like to see people say, hey, there's like eight or nine great guys from LA because that's how we're going to be a coffee city, not by having a stump town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody planting their flag in here. Yeah. In your Coffee yeah. people know that Portland is great not because they have Stumptown. Portland's great because they have Stumptown. Heart. Yeah. Um, Good coffee. Yeah. yeah. In general, it's a coffee city. Yeah. Is there techniques that you want to push further or you just want to make good coffee, great coffee, continue to push that? great coffee and I'm always pushing myself to get better that's why I was so like hyper just like was it good was <laughs> Sumatra good yeah. it's better now do you have a measuring stick that you use daily for your coffees or is it just your internal I'm I'm not a licensed Q grader but I Q grade everything that I have and I just go by a baseline which is like this is wowing me this is wowing me even further I know it can get better do you steer towards a particular does a region really catch your eye? Do you tend to buy from one specific part of the world? What is... If they sold, I would buy nothing but Sumatras. Because you can get such versatile... You can get such versatile taste profiles from that one region, and it all just depends on the processing. And I think people are figuring out, to further that point, that it's the processing that's the biggest determinant of flavor versus elevation. Have you ever been to Origin? I have. Which one? Puerto Rico. Very cool. Yeah. How excited were you? And it was it was great. <laughs> I mean, it was a little bit heartbreaking because I saw that there was such amazing coffee there, and it's just dying on the vine because since it's a part of the U.S., they have to pay minimum wage to the pickers, yeah. and that's always been like the great part of the coffee supply chain is you can get people doing sacks of coffee that you can buy for whatever dollar a pound uh, for pennies for that sack. Yeah. In Ethiopia, Sumatra, uh, Colombia, like, they're, they're paid shit. But in Puerto Rico, like, uh, their governor is working on something that basically uh, prisoners, as part of their sentence, they're going to go to the farms and pick I am getting some direct trade lots right now. Yep. Uh, I think they're getting there. I think they need somebody like uh, Ada Batal from El Salvador to go there and be like the Ada Batal of Puerto Rico. 
it's tough. You do kind of need that gatekeeper that's really pushing stuff through. They've just got to have some consistently great stuff coming out of there, and it'll be fine. It'll be like the next top thing. Better than Kona's. Kona's been shit for the past like three years. So I assume you're a team of one. Uh, I'm the only roaster okay. and sort of the only administrator. Like I farm out some of the accounting just because I have to, and I have sales reps. But um, as far as like the CEO role, how do you how do you balance being the creative versus the worker, the work, the the grinder? Just, I really don't, man. Like it's just I work a lot. And that's, that's just been, like, the sacrifice that I've made is no vacations, no days off. My mind's constantly got to be on work. Um, if I'm having fun, it means I'm, like, going around to a cafe, maybe with my girlfriend, maybe by myself, and talking to the baristas and figuring out, hey, um, is this coffee good? What are you liking about it? Oh, can I give you my business card? Is there is there the is there that opportunity to have that honest discussion with other baristas? Do you drop off you know four ounce bags to? That's part to of talk the, to that's part of the thing that's always been so difficult is now that people say like oh I've heard of you or if they see me uh, on a convention center floor and they're like oh yeah. I know who you are do you have samples with you it's a little bit easier but if somebody's never heard of you they look at you like you're a leper like oh another coffee roaster who i haven't heard of you must be shit because i haven't heard of you. like one of the worst experiences i've ever had with that is just dealing with like cafe dulce when i started off i would bring them coffee and i would follow up with them expecting some like polite hey thank you like here's your feedback it's not for us but you know maybe bring us some stuff that's better in the future yeah and they were just like they looked down on me and there was just a lot of crap talking and that was really discouraging and i feel bad for the la roasters who have to go through that with shops like that because they're not the only ones who do that um it's getting better now, I think, for people that they're realizing that people are really trying to make a name for the city, um, and the coffee is getting better. Coffee is uniformly getting better, I think, from everybody in the city, which is great. What are the shops you visit the most? So I'm always curious about it. And are you, when you and your girlfriend go out, are you the worst person to go to a coffee shop? No, no, I don't. I don't do the whole coffee snob thing. If somebody tries to give me shit, I'll totally co out coffee snob them. <laughs> You know, I like supporting local shops that are good. I really love going to CoLab. Um, when we're in Buena Park, we go to Stereoscope, uh, Cafe Windbell. I think those are the best two guys in L.A., hands down. They're just roasting so well, and they have such great attitudes about supporting local people. And I don't know. I think that's pretty much what it is, like willingness to take feedback, really, truly roasting well, and being supportive of other people in the community. From your first... Throughout your first couple of rows, from like when you first thought, "All right, kind of onto this," to where you are now, how how has that changed? How is how is your how is your arc been since you since you started doing this to where you are? I don't think I've hit my stride, and I think that is the reason why we're going to have longevity in this business. Because people who think that they know it all about coffee are the people who are going to get shut down. I think when I when I started out. I got a 90 uh, from Coffee Review on a Kenya, and I didn't see anybody else getting Coffee Review stuff, even handsome. So I thought, I must be the shit, you know, I'm this small guy, and my coffee's really good, and nobody wanted to carry me. So that was really nice, really sobering, and it did push me to keep getting better. So 
that's why I hesitate now to say that I hit my peak because although there are a few things I put out that absolutely wow me, even in comparison to like some of my favorite roasters, I have to kind of keep a level head and say, hey, shut up, your coffee's okay. There's always somebody better than you. You need to get better. Do you remember every single score that every coffee you've gotten has given? No. I mean, I think we have five coffee reviews now. I know my largest one was on that Holiday Blend Gay show, which was in 95. But I know we've gotten we've gotten a lot of coffees because they're really good about giving me feedback, as uh, Ken and um, Jason at Coffee Review. They always email me and say, hey, you know, it was a 90, it was a 92, it was a 93 but we can't include it in this article because either somebody scored higher or you already have a coffee that's going in this article. Oh, nice. And we want you to pay us money if we're going to do, like, an extra <laughs> review. Yeah. You know, it's a business. Yeah. But I would say we've probably had double the amount that are actually published that have been rated 90+. plus. And, you know, there's stuff that I haven't sent to coffee review that I know is just phenomenal. Which excites you more? You drinking a coffee and you going, yeah. Like, yeah, that just, like, blows your brain out. Or getting a 90-plus review on something where you're like, that's good. I trust my palate, but at the end of this day, I've been drinking coffee for so many years. And the people at Coffee Review have been drinking it for, like, 25 to 30 years each. So combined is, like, 60-something years. I trust that. So if they tell me my coffee is okay when I thought it was excellent, I trust their opinion. Do you ever think of how they're going to pull the shots on it, or are you just trying to, to create the best possible product you can and you're not tweaking it based on what they're going to do? The thing about espresso specifically is you can have a great, phenomenal espresso that is outstanding with a very s certain small set of parameters, or you can have a really nice crowd-pleaser espresso with a larger set of parameters. And... When I first started getting wholesale accounts, I was roasting stuff that I thought was amazing, some of the best espressos I've had, but they were very tiny parameters. And now I know that's not what good espresso is. Um, and a large part of what I've tried to do is make exceptional coffees accessible. That means having crowd places out there. The greatest hits. Nice. Yeah. How, much, how much feedback do you, do you actually get from your wholesale account prices, or is it, is it frustration, or do they send you also, holy smokes, this has been pulling unbelievable? The shop owners almost always give me excellent feedback. Holy crap, this is the best thing I've ever had. I, I appreciate that, but, you know, I think the feedback that I respect is just from the baristas who tell me, hey, this is really good. Last week it was a little bit better. Like, if somebody's telling me that it's not up to the best of my abilities or they've had better, I will go with their word 100% of the time. Unless I know that they're just being personal. Do you test it on yourself before you send anything out? Absolutely. Uh, everything that I roast, I both cup it and brew it. You're going into your first kind of combo brick more. What's been the toughest part about being strictly wholesome? Uh, no, I mean, we have our website. That's yeah. that's where we first started selling stuff. So it was like a web, web brick and mortar, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, every so often there's a barista from a smaller shop or somebody who's not necessarily super nerdy into coffee uh, who says, oh, I've never heard of you. Like, they still do that, and that's kind of a challenge. But then they'll try my coffee, and they'll say, yeah, this is really good. <laughs> do, you have any, do you have any weird pockets of the country or the world that is huge? 
fans of your work? Southeast Texas, I get a lot of orders. St. Paul, Minnesota, I get a lot of orders, which is super flattering because that's like the hub of Midwest coffee okay. stuff. Uh, cafe Imports is there. Yeah, they're going up. So that's, uh, that's always really cool. Like Portland is always a super big compliment. Yeah. Portland, uh, South Florida, upstate New York. Or when you look at coffee, do you, do you think in terms of go to a desolate coffee area where there's absolutely nobody who can be the big dog or you dive in and be be one of many and just push push that bar a little further forward. You want small competition. Uh, you want a growing coffee scene where somebody's already done all the legwork for you of convincing people that great coffee is better than average coffee. Because some people don't get that. Yeah. And even here, I know my bread and butter is going to be people in the apartment buildings and offices who just want a cup of joe, which is why I'm doing my really nice Kenyas and Ethiopias and Geishas, but those are those are behind the bar in case I know coffee people are coming in. Yeah. And even when we grow the program, I want um, darker roasts. And I've really worked on getting good darker roasts because what some people want, who am I to tell them they want? What's the best compliment somebody can give you about your coffee? Best coffee ever had. Do you care who it comes from? No. I, I mean, I, I respect the experience of somebody who's in the coffee world, and their word certainly weighs a little bit heavier, but as far as, like, getting joy out of it, and the reason I keep doing this and trying to get better is just from people. You're about to go into your first break more. What still excites you about coffee? Roasting, man. Roasting still excites me. I mean, I, I know I know, like, 1% as much as these people who have been roasting for... 20 years and longer Jesus like you know once I get to five years and I roasted through every single varietal and I've screwed up so many times like then I'm sure it'll start to get taxing on me and like I hate production roasting just because it's hours of me sitting at my tiny roaster like concentrating that's exhausting but um, profiling new beans is always fun I mean, when I'm putting in a $25 pound geisha into the roaster, that's always a little bit like, yeah. So that's fun. Do you play music when you roast? Oh, all the time. What what music makes the best coffee? Um, I'm a hip hop head, so I okay. do listen to a lot of just like southern hip hop. I don't know. My mom raised me on a lot of like Quiet Storm, Smooth R&B, Sade type stuff, so I do yeah. listen to that sometimes. Yeah. We drink a lot of coffee on it. No, I hated it. When was the first time you had a cup of coffee? I'm sure I probably had coffee as, like, a high schooler, because they had it at school and didn't like it, and I wanted it with lots of milk, if at all. No, I take that back. My dad would give me instant coffee growing up, and I would always have it with lots of milk. Did you start digging coffee once you started being around better food? No. No. Uh, I still remember the very first good, good espresso shot that I ever had that made me think, like, wow, this doesn't taste like coffee. It's chocolatey, and there's, like, flavor nuances to it. It was uh, the Groundworks... I want to say it was Bitches Brew pulled as espresso at a donut shop called Fratelli's in Beverly Hills. And I paid three twenty-five for it, <laughs> and I thought, holy crap, like, this better be amazing. And it was really good. What's, uh, what's the best cup of coffee you've ever had? 
everything that sticks out to me is espressos. Is that what you typically drink? Is it espresso finger lap? No, I usually get single origins. When I was figuring out my, when I'm working on a new espresso blend or something, I'll drink a lot of espressos, but if I'm looking for what people are putting out there and making decisions, I'll drink a lot of single origins. The best cup of coffee I've ever had. There's a lot, had a lot of really good ones. I recently had uh, a Kenya AA espresso from Bird Rock. Oh, nice. That it's the best espresso I've had of all time. At Chimney. And they're, they're one of my accounts, so that was like extra flattering. Who do you buy? Are you somebody who goes and buys a bag? Oh, yeah, all the time. Who are you, yeah. who do you, who are you buying? Uh, I try and only buy local. Uh, I have a lot of people send me stuff. Uh, Must be trades. Trades. Yeah. I mean, if somebody says, hey, you know, I've been following you on Instagram, I've been trying your coffee, uh, I'm another roaster, I'll always say, hey, let's do a trade. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. But I think the last bag that I bought, probably suits and knives, actually. I think that was the last bag that I actually bought. So what sparked you into going into the brick and mortar, pairing up with Uli? She approached me. I was, she hit me up a couple months ago about like, hey, can you bring me samples? I want to carry you. Um, she had been talking to all the locals, which I really appreciate. Somebody who is purposely seeking out locals to serve. And uh, she was serving uh, Espresso Republic at the time. She was doing multi-roaster. And I said, hey, if you're serving Espresso Republic, sorry, we're, we're probably not the coffee for you. And, you know, she took that in stride. And then a couple months later, she hit me up again, like, hey, bring me some samples. We're, we're not serving Espresso Republic anymore. And then she said, by the way, if you're looking for somebody who wants to take over a pop-up space with Alinea and blah, 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 um, send them my way, please. And I know uh, Frankie from Suits and Knives actually had said that he was doing something over here. This was originally supposed to be his thing, even though he has a shop a couple blocks okay. away. So I kind of made sure I wasn't stepping on any toes. And she told him, hey, I need you to come in and we'll figure this out. And it didn't happen for whatever reason. So I took over. And it's, it's just been nice because it's been such a good fit. Like her and I are so friendly with each other and we're on the same level. And she gets as nerdy into the science of making great gelato and the perfectionism as I am with my coffee. So it just feels like a really good. nice match. More partnerships coming up? Are you guys seeing or trying to just get your feet on them? I wasn't in a hurry to open a shop right now. And this seemed like such a good situation. I just jumped on it. We went from trying to emulate everybody with the super high acid coffees uh, to like balanced sweetness and acidity. Like I really try and maximize my sweetness. And I think that that makes it more soluble. Like that's why all our coffees are really good as espresso. Like I definitely don't subscribe to the whole one profile can be excellent for both filter and espresso. Oh, just because yeah. that's not how coffee roasting works. No. Not even one Yeah. So if I'm roasting something that I know is going to be used for espresso, uh, I'll roast it a certain way, but I always want to make sure that it tastes palatable for a filter. Uh, like my Brown Betty, you could pull it out of the hopper right now, brew it as a Chemex and it would be great. Um, it wouldn't be roasted. Like that's the point. Do you think where we're headed is a positive force? I go to places like Bar 9 and I see how they're, they're pushing. They're doing things with extraction. 
but I've had some of the worst cups of coffee from bar nine, but I've also had the swing of some of the better cups of coffee. Are we speeding off into the future too quickly? Are we, is there progression that we need to make as a group before we start doing more complicated backflips? I mean, I also have complicated thoughts <laughs> on them, but I, I think their roasting has gotten so much better since they got a new roaster. And um, I feel like the company's heart is in the right place, but they have representatives for the company saying a lot of pig-headed stuff that makes LA Roasters look egotistical. Uh, and I'm not about that. So I just, I don't mention their name when I talk about better coffee in LA. Uh, it has absolutely improved. It's gotten so much better developed. Um, I feel like we need to support each other as a city before anybody's going to take us seriously because when shops open up out here and they don't really have experience with coffee, they don't turn to an LA roaster even though it would keep their costs down uh, and better serve their shop, ultimately they go with some town who's going to buy their machine. Um, we need to get people working together out here and having a strong united front of, hey, why don't you buy local? We're just as good, if not better. Uh, versus like, hey, they're going to take away your machine if you miss paying a coffee bill. And your roaster probably lives down the street. And yeah. Come and help you out. And, and your roaster will come in and do QC. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the big thing about my wholesale accounts is all my LA uh, roasters get, or all my LA accounts get QC. When I, when I do my deliveries and on my rare days where I'm kind of just hanging around, I'll go and make sure that they're not screwing my coffee up. It's important, though. It's a showcase. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a it's, representation of you. Exactly. Exactly. Like, uh, I, I see the industry kind of going towards, um, you know, LA's oversaturated. There's always going to be room for another coffee brand to come in, another coffee shop. There's just always going to be room. I feel like we're almost hitting critical mass with Verve opening four shops out here, supposedly. <laughs> Blue Bottle opening four shops and Telly with four shops. And... LA Roasters with like one. Except for Capsita Organica. What do you drink besides coffee? Whiskey. <laughs> whiskey and tea. Big into Japanese whiskey. Every scene I go to, it's always different. What do you want to be in 10 years? I want to have one micro roaster of the year already. I'd like to have one thriving shop here. I'd like to be roasting better. Like, that's the big answer is I, I just want to be roasting better in 10 years than I am now. So, I mean, I, I found what I love. Like, this is it for me. And I, I feel very fortunate because I see people who are like in their 30s and 40s who are kind of just like, yeah, I'm trying to be an actor still, but I'm also a waiter. I'm kind of just like, that sounds miserable. Do you hear a lot of people that see the romantic side of coffee and think, I want to be a roaster? And what do you tell those people? I mean, I probably have a smoker's lungs already, even though I don't smoke <laughs> for roasting. Um, it's solely romantic, but like any other romance, there are things that you have to work through and deal with. Yeah. You know? But I found something that I really love and I really care about, so I'm going to stick with it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Frank, Frank. Headshot. Frank, Frank. Sit down. Frank, Frank. Stand up. Frank, Frank. Pass out. Frank, Frank. Wake up. Frank, Frank. Fade it. Frank, Frank. Fade it. Here we go.
I'm sorry, I only ordered one. You said coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> no, see, I said coffee, coffee, coffee. Right. As in, I really need coffee, coffee, coffee. You know? No. Coffee, coffee, coffee is a saying, like an exaggeration. It's a funny, desperate cry for caffeine. It's just my thing. It's a bit. It's my bit. It's not a particularly funny bit unless you know me. Then, you know what? Three coffees would be great. What do I owe you?